down to Egypt. And the whole, whole story of Joseph and his multicolored jacket, that's part of that whole storyline. So now the, the family's down in Egypt and the family grows and grows and grows and grows so much so that Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, says, if we don't deal with how many, how many of these families, this family we have, how many Israelites we have, they're going to overtake us because they just kept being blessed with children. So they, they, they take all of the nation of Israel and they make them slaves. And for 400 years, they're slaves in Egypt. And God raises up a man named Moses. You might have heard of Moses. And he was right there in Genesis as well. He raises up Moses. And Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, let my people go. And, and, and why would Pharaoh let go a, a whole free workforce? He wasn't going to do it. So God forces his hand. And he creates these ten plagues trying to convince Pharaoh. And it hardens his heart. And over time, the final plague is this thing where, where God says, if you don't let my people go, the firstborn of every household will die. Right? Except for the households that, that sacrifice a lamb and put the blood on the doorposts of your house. Right? And if you put the blood on that doorpost of the house, that night, when all those firstborns are going to die in the land, that house will be passed over. And the house will be protected. That's where we get the word Passover. Way back from Moses, that God protected the household, now we're celebrating the Passover. So let's fast forward 1,500 years, right? Now we're jumping all through the Old Testament, from Genesis all the way through to the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Jesus comes on the spot. Now this is a little over 19, almost 2,000 years ago, that Jesus came. Jesus comes, and at age 30, he starts a public ministry, and for three to three and a half years, he has this public ministry where he is communicating the good news of of the kingdom of God coming to earth. And there is going to be peace for you between you and God, a peace that was that was not available really during the Old Testament because sin started in Genesis, right? They always had to... They always had to kill something in order to cover sin. But now Jesus was coming. And Jesus, in their story that we're about to read, which is going to be all about the Passover, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem, a little over three years of ministry, right? And he's coming in during the Passover week. As he's entering the city, there's an estimated like 2.5 million additional people in the city at the time celebrating the Passover week. It's kind of like one of those uh, um, holidays of obligation that all the men had to be in Jerusalem for the big sacrifice, celebrating the Passover week, the fact that, that God passed over the, those households and protected them. And everybody was hopeful for what Jesus represented, right? Because they didn't have peace at the time. And in fact, Rome was in control. Rome was in power at the time and was kind of holding the nation of Israel under their control. So Jesus gave them hope. Jesus gave them the sense that something would change. And that is the storyline as Jesus is about to enter into this great city. Now, this is the storyline of the Passion Week, we often call. This is a week before the resurrection on Sunday. 
On Friday, he's going to be killed, and he knows it. Right? He is already totally telling his disciples, this is coming. And so as he's preparing to come into this bustling, busy, busy city, here's the storyline we have from Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 9. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them, bring them to me. If anyone says, says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought a donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread the cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Let's pray. Lord, as we learn about this holiday, the Passover, as we learn about what it really meant that you came to that city during this week, Lord, would you teach us today about the peace that you offer not only our hearts and minds, but our eternity. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there's not a great deal of outer peace in our world today, now almost 2,000 years later. There's a lot of very difficult things that happen around us and a lot of it's bad news. Let me read you some of it. There are 19,937 car accidents a day in the United States. Anybody have one this week? Somebody sheepishly in the back. That's, that's not good. 2,400 divorces every single day. 16,480 broken bones. 200,000 people will lose their jobs today. There are 27 wars in the world right now. There's 1,015 bankruptcies in the United States today, right? And here's the worst one of all of them. Hang on. On average, people will inadvertently eat two pounds of flies, maggots, and other bugs each year. Two pounds! If the first stuff did not give you a lack of peace, that should right there. I read that this week and I just got sick, right? There's a lot of reasons not to feel peaceful. There's a lot of reasons to be stressed. And we could go through a lot more statistics about our world, about our lives, about our unique situations. It's interesting out of all of the historical things that are being fulfilled in the Passion Week, that they choose to talk about this donkey from Zechariah. Zechariah 9.9, they're quoting in Matthew. Why is that so significant? In fact, I read this week that, that Jesus fulfills 324 prophecies from the Old Testament. That's amazing, right? His life. But this one that there would be a donkey that he rides in on. What, 
Why is that significant? Why is that important? Well, we call this whole event of Jesus coming into Jerusalem the triumphant entry. And this is known to the people, known to Rome, because historically a general would ride in on a war horse and celebrate a great victory at war. And in fact, they would meet outside of town. They'd put a big parade together. The general would be out in front with the war horse and come in and proclaiming power and victory of war. And people would come out and they would celebrate. And they would celebrate. So when Jesus is coming in, they're kind of hoping for that, right? They're kind of hoping as Jesus is coming in that day that he would come and have victory over Rome with power, with a hard hand, fix all the problems of this world. But the donkey is not a war horse. The donkey is a symbol of peace. You see, if you want a treaty, if you want peace between two warring nations, you ride in on a donkey. You're not coming in to fight on a donkey, right? The donkey's not going to help you at all. He comes in on a symbol of peace. Now, his week was not going to be peaceful. His week was probably going to be the hardest thing that anybody in all of history has ever experienced. In fact, Jesus, in the book of Isaiah, the prophecy of when he's born is called the Prince of Peace. I'll read it. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. It's who he is, the Prince of Peace. There's lots of reasons for us to feel fearful. Lots of reasons for us to experience anxiety and a sense of being out of control, whether it's the conditions in the world, our relationships in our family, the repercussions of sin, the fear of, faith, fear of failure or a sense of what's going to be happening in my future, my mortality. Finally, just unexpected bad news. All of that kind of gets us nervous, kind of gets us like what's going to happen next, right? But what Jesus brings is a supernatural peace in the midst of the hardest times of our lives. See, he did not come to bring outer peace to the nation of Israel but inner peace to all mankind. A peace regardless of the situation. John fourteen twenty seven puts it this way. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Jesus comes to bring peace, but not the way that the world looks at it. A peace that is far greater. So regardless of what kind of lives we are living and the situations we're going through, Jesus rides into our lives and he offers us peace. Now, I don't know what this message may be speaking to you today, but as we go through it in a few moments, Jesus knows the pains. The fact that we have a God who came in, took on human form, and went through all of the temptations, all of the struggles, all of the pains that we go through, means that he knows, and still he brings peace for us today. Now, conflict in this world is something that's not going away. In fact, Jesus said, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace 
to the earth. In other words, to the outer world, to the, to the fact that conflicts still do happen. I did not come to bring peace but a sword. In other words, what it means to be a follower of Jesus will often mean you're going to lose your life. There's going to be repercussions. The world will oppose Christians. But Jesus offers peace inside of our hearts and our minds, regardless of the situations around us. So I want to just talk about some practical aspects of peace. Because I have had seasons of my life, seasons of my life when I'm following Jesus, when I've been under a great deal of anxiety, I've been under a great deal of fear, and it just didn't feel real practical. But I'm telling you today that the Word of God tells us that there is peace available to all of us in the most challenging of times. First, we want to talk about responding to his offer of peace. And ultimately, it's peace between us and God. When Jesus came, Jesus died on the cross that Friday. He rose again on that Sunday. It was to create availability for us to have peace with God. You see, our sin separated us, actually put us as almost an enemy to God. But when we respond to the free gift of grace, simply through faith, that peace between us and God changes everything. Romans 5.1 says it this way, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, in the New Testament, it actually calls, Jesus called it being born again, born into a life of peace, not in a, poor, a life of conflict. So as we're adults, we can be born a second time when we respond to the free gift of grace. By believing. Free gift of grace by believing and making him Lord of our lives. It is just simply making him the forgiver and the leader of who we are. God brings peace. And the peace that goes beyond just the situations we're in. It's a peace for eternity because guess what? One of the biggest fears there are is death. What now? Not a lot of people have been there and come back and give us a good report like what's going on. We... There's a lot of questions, what is to come? And no matter how much faith we seem to have, the questions of what's going to happen next for us, for our loved ones, for the world, what's going to happen after we die? Jesus answers the question that we have eternity with him. We don't have to fear it. The fear of death is taken away. We can also trust him and his sovereign control. Psalms 103.19 puts it this way, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. When we feel out of control, when we feel like there's situations that we wish that we could put it straight, we wish that we could somehow put an actuarial table in place or we could have the insurance that would cover everything, we try to put all of the protections in place and yet this world is still out of control. When we accept and realize that God is really in control of everything, there's a peace that can come. I trust you, Lord, even though I don't understand. Trust you, Lord, even though it's hard, really hard. When my son was young, we had this video game. I don't remember which console. If you have kids long enough, it, you can actually have seasons of life based upon the, the you know, computer console that they had, right? And uh, Evan had this one video game. It was a driving game, and he couldn't keep the car on the road, 
right? He'd get, and he'd be so upset. He, so I'd set it up for him. I'd put him down. He'd end up in the river or whatever. Couldn't do it. He'd, he'd last like 10 seconds. So what I did is I would put to the, there's part of the menu that you can see like, like how it really works and you set it up and it has like a video that just goes through the track and you just drives around. It takes, takes like, you know, five or six minutes and then it starts over again. And so I'd plop him down and he thought he was playing the whole time. I'm like, Evan, you're doing so good. You're staying on the road. Look at you go. And he's so excited. And, you know, this is perception of control. Right? Aren't we just like Evan? Aren't we just like Evan? Right? Now, some of you think I'm a horrible father right now. (laughs) Yeah, you'd do it too. There's a peace that comes with, I know who God is. I know he loves me, and I'm just going to trust that. I don't need control of everything. So let me talk about, if we're, if we're going to accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we're going to experience the born-again life, we can have peace that our eternity is in place, and we can live in peace that it's more than just these circumstances. We can also transition to a place where, you know what, my place of control does not need to be with everything. I can just trust God for things and know he's going to take care of me. But let me talk about some practical ways in which we can protect your peace from the things that would want to steal it. Because I don't know about you, but it seems like every day something is trying to steal my peace. And Jesus rides in and says, no, you don't have to. So some practical stuff that... New Testament tells us. Pray, then pray, and then pray some more. Philippians 4. Do not be anxious about anything. That seems like a pretty broad paintbrush, doesn't it? Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart, that emotional center, and your mind, the way you're thinking, in Christ Jesus. Right? Just simply give it to God. And the peace which is above rational thought. Beyond, it transcends understanding. In other words, when you're going through that situation... The rest of the world says you should react this way. And you don't. But you have peace. That's what it means. Everybody is expecting you to react this way, and you react totally differently. The hardest things of this world. What is that? It's the peace of God. That comes into those hardest moments. Jesus coming in. And what has he said? Don't be anxious, but prayer and petition. Just pray, and pray, and pray, and pray. There's a guy, I know pastor has talked about, Brother Lawrence, right? He's the guy who talks about practicing the presence of God. He felt like his job was to always be in conversation with God. He writes a really good book about it, right? And uh, one of the things he did was trying to be aware of the moments when he wasn't in conversation with God. And he would actually make marks and recognize these are the moments when I'm really not aware of God's presence. He would spend the whole day in conversation with God, 
And I really think Paul said it the same way. Pray without ceasing. So if you're seeking after the peace of God that transcends under all understanding, pray a lot. Real practical. Let me, let me just give something that uh, I applied to my life early on youth group. One of, my, one of my pastors told me this. He said, when you turn to get out of bed and you put your feet on the floor, you're still sitting on the bed, greet God. Good morning, Lord. doesn't have to be a long prayer. Just start your day with God. Put your feet on the floor. Let your feet feel the cold floor or the, or the dog or the carpet or whatever's next to your bed. Just greet the Lord. Lord, be with me today. Lord, I just want a conversation with you all day today. And then, when you go to bed and you lay down, you, you, you lay back and put your cell phone down, right? Because everybody lays in bed with their cell phone. Put your cell phone down, and as you put your feet into the covers for the last time, Lord, thank you for today. Right? And guess what? You get to fill in those, the rest of that. Just be in conversation with God, just real practically, as you go through your life. Now, we all know there are times when you have to you have to make decisions, and you have to troubleshoot, and you have to put your brain to problems at work, right? There's things that focus our, our minds on things, but immediately in those times when you're out of focus, bring it back to the Lord. Pray, pray, pray again. So, real practical, start out with prayer. Second, trust God for your needs. Trust his control. Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. 200,000 people will lose their job today. Well, guess what? It's real easy to start getting worried at that point, isn't it? It's real easy. What about, what about the groceries? What about, what about this? What about that? In fact, we've been talking, Pastor and I, um, this month we've been told all the COVID money that supplements food share and housing is gone. We're a money, it's called. All that's gone this month. And, and today, this month is starting a new month where people aren't getting those supplements. A lot of people are questioning control, questioning what is next. Here's the foundation of peace in the midst of those struggles. Just make a list of his blessings. It's so easy to question, what's going to happen when the money runs out? What's going to happen if the job changes? What's going to happen when my car breaks down and it's $2,000 for a transmission? What, what are we going to do in those moments? You sit back, you put your, your eyes on the great provider and count your blessings. Right? How many of you, when I said that, went right to a song in your mind? Come on. One, no, two. How many, yeah, yeah. Some of you, you're singing, count your blessings. The others of you are singing like a million blessings, right? I don't know. There's two different songs. So sing it, sing it, and realize that God really does provide for all the little things. So pray and pray some more. Second, just thank him for his blessings, even when you question what's coming up next. Next, live with a clear conscience. Confess your sins daily, really practically. Matthew chapter 5 even tells us in the basic uh, parts of coming into the temple and offering a sacrifice that we should, we should go and reconcile with people if there's conflict. In the same way, in practical sense, every single day, say, Lord, is there a part of my life that brings you displeasure? 
the way I act, the, the attitudes of my heart. Is there there's something that I've done? Show it to me. Right? Show it to me. Why? Because nothing will steal your peace like sin. Sin steals your peace. Steals my peace. Just takes it away. And so just simply sit back. Lord, is there something that needs to change? And here's the big part. When God reveals it to you, like confess it. Repent. And make the change right away. And guess what? There's peace that comes in that confession part. There's peace that comes in just choosing to do it God's way and not our way. So pray. Trust God for our needs and count our blessings. Be willing to confess the sins that try to steal our peace. Next, use the gifts God gave you and be thankful for them. So many of us are really unhappy with our situation of life, and that brings us discontentment, right? This sense that my life isn't what it should be. We regret things. If only I was more like this, right? There's a, there's a sermon by, uh, I don't remember who it was, so I can't even give him credit, he talks about how we live in the country of Ur, and we're trying to get to the country of Est, right? If only I was stronger, if only if I was bigger, only if I was prettier, right? Then I would be the strongest, the prettiest, the best. And so we live in this sense of discontentment, and we're always feeling that lack of peace in our lives. Guess what? This is how I was created. This is who I am. Allergic to penicillin. Milk and I don't get along, right? It's just not going to happen anytime soon unless I take the pill, right? I mean, there's all kinds of things I don't like about myself, right? I got, I got crooked teeth. My brother's 6'4", and he doesn't even know how to dribble a basketball. I mean, that's just not fair, right? I'm six foot. I can do nothing with six foot and, you know, this genetic pool in a basketball game, Right? There's all kinds of things I want to change about myself. I wish I was different. I wish my personality was more like that. I wish I was more uh, better with numbers like that. I wish I could sing like that. I wish I could play the drums like that. I wish, I wish all these things. But when we recognize this is who God created us to be, we are gifted in his way. There's contentment that says, I will use what God has given me in the way he has given it to me to use. And guess what? You are gifted. God has great purposes for our, your life. And it's going to be very different than any other person's. And when we embrace what God has created us to be, we find peace in that. So we've got to get out of that land of er, right? Not you are, E-R. And just say, God, I'll trust you for who I am. I'll have peace in who I am. And finally, seek regular relationships with God's people. Hebrews 10, 24, 25, which is quoted by every pastor who hasn't seen a family in two or three weeks. You, you know it, right? And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Guess what? There is peace when we're together. We are better off when we are together. Don't forsake the, the meeting together of us, because guess what? Our job is to encourage each other. Did you know that? On a Sunday morning, 
It's not about what you can get out of Sunday morning, right? I had a conversation with somebody the other day, and he's like, the music at this church was okay, and he's like looking at different churches, and this church was okay. The message at this one, they did 30 minutes, and they usually should do 25, so I'm not going to go back to that one. And, you know, it's all about what he could kind of get out of it. And let me tell you something. We are meant to come together to bring something for each other, right? It's huge perspective change. We're not here to be consumers. We're a family that comes together to give, right? Pastor talked about giving of our finances. That's way on the back burner besides giving our lives for each other. We're here to encourage each other, right? Right? Be afraid of the church that service is over and you go out the door and everybody splits. That's trouble. I love the fact that like an hour and a half later, there's still people sitting there talking means you actually like each other. We have to love each other. We get to like each other. But guess what? There is something, even in the church, that's going to steal your peace. God-given, Jesus-sacrificed peace that he offers to us. And even here, we can find, we can find hurt and pain and difficulty. And some of you have been in that church environment. That's not God's church. It's very simply is we hurt each other sometimes. So I'm going to challenge you. Three, three quick ideas on that for peace in the church. Make a decision that you're not going to get offended. People are going to be mean. Sometimes they're jerks. We're all like that. We all have our struggles, right? Make a decision right now that no matter what comes down the pike, I'm not going to get offended. This is my church family. I'm not going to do it. I, second, I will expect the best in each other. I'm not going to let them steal my peace. I'm just going to expect the best in every single person. And I am going to love unconditionally through forgiveness. Remember, love is an unconditional thing that's given to an imperfect person. The real practice when it comes to the fact that we're supposed to love each other real well, sometimes we're not so good at it, so just give each other grace. Right? Bring something we can find peace. Now, some of you, because I have people like this in my relationships and my family, that fear and anxiety is more seems to be a part of your personality than others. You struggle. And it's a bigger struggle for, for others who are extroverts. Right? I encourage you. I encourage you. Draw close to God. He wants to help us all. And know that this is a place where not everybody's an extrovert. Right? So find grace for each other and love in these times. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. Jesus comes in to Jerusalem into this point of conflict, in this point of anarchy, all of these emotions, all of these expectations. In just five days, he's going through one of the most gruesome deaths of life. He knows what it means to go through the hardest things of the world. And he comes in on the donkey proclaiming peace. Not peace as this world knows it. Remember what what Scripture said? Peace for our hearts, our emotions, and peace for our minds. Man, sometimes the biggest distance in the world seems to be between what I know and what I feel. Right? 
that distance. But today, if you're going through a time where you just feel like, I feel the anxiety, I feel fear, I feel overwhelmed by the circumstances of my life, I feel far from God, I feel alone. Jesus simply rides in and says, I bring peace for you today. Some of you have some really big questions that need to be answered this week. And it seems like any answer to those questions is not a good answer. God will walk with you. Jesus will bring peace. These are not my claims. These are his claims. Do not be anxious about anything. But by prayers and petitions and thanksgiving, offer unto the Lord. And the peace that transcends all understanding, everything that makes sense to the world, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to ask you just to close your eyes today. Often what happens is there's just a, a lot of talking that happens to the front, from the front, right? Let's just take a few moments and let the Holy Spirit do some talking into our minds and into our hearts. And if you felt overwhelmed recently, if you feel, felt overwhelmed just coming in today, I want to take a few minutes and let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart. Come and just welcome in. Lord, come into my life. Bring peace. The communion was wonderful today. We prayed that God's power would come into our lives. Well, this is what we're talking about. Power over the situation. Power over my mind and emotions. Power over everything that's going. Lord, bring me peace. Just take a moment and let the Holy Spirit speak. I'm going to take a moment of silence. this morning and you're kind of thinking I, I don't know this peace, I, I don't know this born again experience I don't know what it means to start a new life over where I have peace between me and God because it seems like I've been fighting with him all my life if you feel like you've been far away from him, you feel like you have need new life in him today Jesus called it being born again, starting fresh, starting new just believing on him Jesus Jesus came to be the answer to that problem that started thousands of years earlier in Genesis that we talked about. And he's the problem solver for our life today. All we need to do is believe. So if you today would just simply like to accept him into your life with everybody's eyes closed, all I'm asking you to do is just give me some eye contact and say, I really need that day. Would you pray for me? Would you pray with me today? So all across this room, that's you. Just look up at me today. I need peace from God. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? 
Church, let's pray this together. Would you just pray after me in a response? Many of you have prayed a prayer like this before, but this is the simple, practical model of accepting Jesus in our lives and brings peace to our future. So would you pray with me after my words? Heavenly Father, thank you that you came to bring peace between me and God. And in Jesus Christ, I can find that peace. So I believe in you today. Just come into my life. Bring your peace. Be my forgiver. And be my leader, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me. We're going to close in a word of worship. 2 Thessalonians puts it this way. Now may the Lord of peace himself. He personifies that. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace at all times and in every way. The Lord be with you all. All times, every way.